Welcome to Scuba Shack Radio, Season 5, Episode 106, recorded Monday, March 6th, 2023. Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast in support of our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health, and sustainability. Well, hello again, everyone. And as always, I want to thank you so very much for tuning into this latest episode of Scuba Shack Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Centropino. Well, we are back from Bonaire. And what a great getaway, and what a great place to go diving. It's hard to adjust back to those colder temperatures up here in New England, but we are slowly making our way to spring and thinking about getting back to the ocean up here sometime in April. We continue to make changes here at Scuba Shack. Recently, we received our first order of Zegel regulators. We brought in the F-8, the Onyx 2, and the Envoy 2. We immediately put the Envoy 2 on our fleet and took it to the pool with some very positive feedback. More to come on that, probably on our YouTube channel. On today's show, I'm going to revive your next dive. And as you guessed it, this installment will be all about our trip to Bonaire, where we stayed at Divi Flamingo and we dived with Divi Divers and then headed out to town. But up first is an abbreviated wet notes, my news information and commentary update, as I have a lot to talk about when it comes to Bonaire. This is wet notes here on Scuba Shack Radio for Monday, March 6th, 2023. Now first up today, I want to give you a little update on a couple of shows that are just around the corner. Now, if you've been listening to the podcast, you'll know that I've been working with the Boston Sea Rovers for a number of years now, and that's on their annual clinic. And the past two years, that clinic has moved from the traditional March time frame to October, and that was a result of the pandemic. Well, now it is time to get the show back to the March time frame, and 2023 is going to be a transition year. This year, the Sea Rovers are conducting a one-night-only film festival at the New England Aquarium Simons Theater. Just to let you know, that show is now sold out. I wanted to give you this update and let you know what was going on, and that the next full clinic will be held in March 2027 in Danvers, Massachusetts. That's going to be the 70th show, and it will be great to get back to the traditional time slot. Another show that is making its return from the pandemic is Beneath the Sea. Now, the last time they had conducted Beneath the Sea was in 2019. That was a very long time ago. Before the pandemic, it was billed as the largest consumer scuba show. Now, I only ever made it down there once to Beneath the Sea, and that was in 2019. The show is held at the Meadowlands Exposition Center in Secaucus, New Jersey, and it's going to run from uh, Saturday, March 25, and Sunday, March 26. I'm planning on heading down there on Sunday. 
They actually start some workshops on Friday. I'm also going down there on Friday for a Zegel Regulator course. You can check out all of the seminars and scheduled exhibitors on their website. The Saturday-Sunday combo ticket runs $60 plus a $3.84 fee, and a one-day pass for either Saturday or Sunday will cost you $35 plus a $2.65 fee. So it is great to see that the dive shows are returning. It may take a little time to rebuild, but with the Sea Rovers getting back to March and Beneath the Sea making its return, it's starting to feel a little normal. Right before I left for Bonaire, I had a chance to catch up with Claudia Davis from Oceana. Claudia is the campaign associate for the National Business Coalition for the Oceans. Well, when I was at DEMA this year, I signed uh, Scuba Shack up as a partner in the coalition. And, you know, I wasn't really sure what that really meant. Then in the February newsletter that Claudia sent out, there was a survey link. I filled out that survey and said that I wasn't really sure about what it meant to be a member of the coalition. I was surprised when Claudia reached out and offered to meet with me to talk a little bit more about the program. So we connected by Zoom, and here's what it's all about. The Business Coalition is about promoting Oceana's programs, either by working with them on sign-on letters, petitions, or other initiatives. Now, that is something we do readily with our website, social media, blogs, or a newsletter. Right now, there are about 150 business members, some big and some small like us. No doubt, our oceans are in crisis from plastics, overfishing, climate change, and other destructive forces. I'll keep you posted on what we are doing here at Scuba Shack to support Oceana and the National Business Coalition for the Oceans. Today, my commentary is brief, and it's on your dive computer battery. Now, there are a lot of dive computers out there right now that have user-replaceable batteries. That's good. But from my experience, they don't seem to give you much of a warning that the battery is going low. It seems like when you turn them on, you might get a battery okay, and then suddenly you get that low battery warning. This is especially frustrating if you're on a dive trip. Don't have that spare battery or the tools to change the battery. Some computers are built so that you have to send it back to the factory. That's not good if you're on a dive trip. Also, some of the computers that have user-replaceable batteries are easier to change than others. For example, my Shearwater Perdix AI is really easy to change that single AA battery. The Aqualung I300C or Oceanic VO 4.0 are a little more difficult, and you really need to ensure that you get that O-ring seated correctly. Others take a little more skill, and they often tell you that you need to take it to the dealer. So here's my thought. Before going on a dive trip, or if you don't know when the last time you had your battery changed, why not just put a fresh battery in that computer? And if you happen to be on a trip where for some reason you need to replace that battery, why not have a spare and make sure that you know how to change that battery in your user-replaceable computer? Now, if your computer is rechargeable, you're all set. That is, if you remember to recharge it. Like any piece of dive gear, you need to check out your computer before you head out on your trip and make sure that your battery is good to go. Well, that's it for this installment of Wet Notes here on Scuba Shack Radio. 
Well, it's time to resurrect your next dive here on Scuba Shack Radio. We just got back from Bonaire two days ago from our long-awaited trip to Divi Flamingo. This island has been on our radar for a very long time, and for one reason or another, we couldn't get down there. But now we can say we made it. Let's start with getting to Bonaire. Well, for us in Connecticut, it isn't the easiest place to get to. Now, there are several different options, and sometimes the connections can be a bit of a challenge. So with that in mind, several of us decided to leave from Newark, New Jersey, while others left from LaGuardia in New York. Don and I headed down to Newark on Friday night and spent the night at the Fairfield Inn at the airport and then took a nonstop United flight to Bonaire on Saturday morning. Others made it from Miami on American, and the Delta flight from Atlanta got in a little bit late, and some of our divers' bags didn't make it because of the tight connection. That was a bit frustrating, especially since Delta's next flight wasn't until Wednesday. But their bags transferred to KLM, went to Amsterdam, and made it to Bonaire on Sunday night. Interesting route, and fortunately, their gear made it in time for Monday's dives. Divi Divers did give them some uh, gear to use at no charge for that first day. This being my first time to Bonaire, I was pleasantly surprised by how quickly we made it through immigration. Once they scanned our QR code for the tourist tax, it was only a couple of minutes until we were in the baggage claim. Before I get to the baggage claim, let me tell you about that tourist tax. A week before you head to Bonaire, you can go out to their website and pay your $75 tax. It's pretty easy and facilitates getting through immigration. But then you hit that single belt baggage claim, and it's a madhouse when two large planes land within 20 minutes of one another. Not having been there before, it felt a little bit overwhelming with so many different bags coming around. Eventually, it started to thin out and our folks grabbed their overstuffed dive bags and exited the terminal. It's a small island. When we exited the terminal, I quickly spotted the Divi Flamingo sign, and we checked in with the driver. I always get a little nervous that maybe no one will be there, but Divi has this down, uh, and they were right on top of things. It's also a very short ride of less than 10 minutes from the airport to the resort. That's nice, especially after being on the plane. Divi also had a check-in table for our dive group, which was another nice feature. Unfortunately, they did not have all of the paperwork that we filled out prior to arrival. Now, that was a little bit frustrating, especially after all the work that Donna did to collect the documents from our travel team. So, after filling out new paperwork, we all finally got to our rooms. Then we checked in at the dive shop and got our locker assignments. Now, one thing to consider is bringing a lock for your locker, as Divi Divers doesn't provide one. We then got ready for our first night dinner in town at Umbrella. At Divi Divers, and I think this is true for all Bonaire Dive Resorts, you have to sit through an orientation for the Marine Park and the dive operations. Then you follow that up with a shore dive that is actually your checkout dive for the Marine Park. The orientation was scheduled to start at 9.30, but I think it actually started about 15 minutes late, and it was not brief. I think we didn't really get done with the orientation till almost 10.45. Now, the main dock at Divi Divers is being replaced, 
So all the diving operations are happening at the other end of the resort. So by the time we finished up our, our briefing, had our final checks at the dive shop, and headed down to the dock for our shore dive, it took a while for our entire team to complete their checkout dive. I thought we would have someone from the resort with us uh, on the dive, but it was everyone on their own. Our first afternoon boat dive was scheduled for 2 p.m., and we were expected to be at the boat at 1.45. That did not give us enough time to finish up the dive, get lunch, and be back at the boat. Fortunately, our boat crew understood the situation and allowed everyone to finish lunch and make our first boat dive over to Klein Bonaire. Now, Divi Divers has four Newton dive boats. They have a big 46-foot Newton named Pressure Drop, and there are three smaller 36-foot Newtons. They also have two other dive boats that are a little bit longer, but narrower. Our group of 15 divers was on Pure Ocean, one of the 36-foot Newtons. We had plenty of room. The Newtons just ride so nice, and they're built for divers. And they can get you to the dive sites pretty quick and comfortably. The diving here in Bonaire is different than the diving you might do in the Caymans or Bahamas. There isn't any wall diving. The reefs are fairly shallow, and there's a lot of smaller reef life. Klein Bonaire, I think, does get a little bit deeper. With the shallow reef dives, you get a lot of bottom time. They give you an hour bottom time, and we were easily hitting that mark on most dives. Now, our deepest dive was on the wreck of the Helma Hooker, a 235-foot former freighter laying on its starboard side in 100 feet of water. I bottomed out at 97 feet. We opted to add one tank afternoon boat dives. Most of our group likes boat diving over shore diving. It was an extremely affordable option, even if you decided to skip one or two of the dives. Now, it had been a really long time since Donna and I saw a seahorse. That was on our first dive trip to Curacao in 2005. Well, it took almost 18 years, but we finally were able to see them once again. And not just once. We saw them on five different dives. There is almost something mythical about those tiny creatures. One of the oddest shaped fish you'll ever find. If you want to do a night dive, it's pretty simple. You can giant stride in off the dock at Divi Flamingo, and within a few fin kicks, you're on Calabas Reef. We were out hunting for octopus, but didn't find any. We did find several eels out on our nightly hunt. We also poked, her in, uh, poked around a little bit under the dock. No octopus, but yes, another eel out hunting. I want to talk about the weather conditions for this time of year, late February, early March. Our water temperature was a consistent 79 degrees Fahrenheit. That's 26 degrees Celsius. That is right on the edge of a 3 millimeter wetsuit for me. Donna and several others opted for 5 millimeter. Now here's something to consider if you don't own your own wetsuit. Divi Divers only has 2 millimeter shorties for rent. Some of our folks had to use them when their gear bags were delayed and they were cold. I could have used my 5 millimeter, but I really like my 3 millimeter and my new Henderson Thermax did the trick. Visibility was routinely in the 80 to 100 foot range. There wasn't much current and very little wave action. 
Our dive sites on Climb on Air included Captain Don's Reef, Keepsake, Joanne Sunchi, and Monk's Haven. And as for Bonaire, we did Carpana, Bonbini Nakas, The Helma Hooker, Something Special, Andrea 2, Windsock, Smallwall, Cliff, and we got to do Salt Pier twice. We also did a night dive on Calabas Reef, the house reef, along with several other uh, checkout dives with our dive masters in training. Donna and I logged 18 dives over the six days. Now that's not too bad. We had a nice comfortable oceanfront room that was close to the dive lockers and a dock. That was nice. It is exactly what I expected for a dive resort. You have a nice balcony for viewing the sunset or drying out wet gear at the end of the trip. Clean and neat. That's all I need. We enjoyed our breakfast buffet at Pure Ocean. It's extremely extensive and you'll get a lot of food to fuel up for those morning boat dives. We also took in two of their buffet dinners at Pure Ocean, Asian night and Italian night. Every day we grabbed our lunch at Chibi Chibi's right before our afternoon boat dive. And then on Sunday night, we had a group dinner upstairs at that restaurant that had a great view of the sunset. They also have several other buffet nights. On Saturday uh, night, it's Caribbean barbecue, and on Tuesday, they serve a Mexican buffet. Like I said, Wednesday night, we did Asian night, and Thursday, we did the Italian buffet. The group did head out in town for several dinners. That's an added benefit of staying at Divi Flamingo. You can walk to town. We ate at Umbrella. Very nice and affordable. We tried Diver's Diner, and let's just say we're not going to put that one on our list when we come back. Service was a little spotty, and it wasn't really what we were looking for. On our last night, we headed uh, the group headed over to Carl's on the water, which is right near Diver's Diner. Again, something we probably won't put back on the the the, uh, the list. Others in our group had dinners at Capriccio, Patagonia, and Mason. Uh, They really liked those, and all three are just outside the gate at Divi Flamingo. Now, I like the setup of Divi Flamingo and Divi Divers. Like I said, they're operating with their main pier down right now, so that uh, makes it a little bit different. We had a great boat crew with Senna, Carlos, and E.T. They were very personable and made the diving a whole lot of fun. Not only that, they found a lot of very cool stuff. So I can now check Bonaire off my list of places that I've dived. If you've never been to Bonaire before, then I highly recommend checking out Divi Flamingo and Divi Divers. We are definitely looking to get this one back in the rotation. Yes, we are definitely going to look at trying to get back to Divi Flamingo and Divi Divers. But we have so many other places lined up right now, like Grand Cayman, the Philippines, Little Cayman, and South Caicos. Guess we're going to have to try and squeeze them in somewhere. That's a tough life. Well, this wraps up this episode of Scuba Shack Radio. I want to thank you all again for listening, and I'll be back in a couple of weeks with more. Until then... Take care, everyone.
Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast supporting our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Talk to you next time.